What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 15. We're joined today by Dustin Hawksworth. Dustin is the founder and editor of Fat Nugs Magazine. Fat Nugs Magazine is your window into the cannabis community with an excellent lineup of contributors, including yours truly. Fat Nugs Magazine print edition, along with many other articles, can be found on fatnugsmag.com. Enjoy the show. Dustin, welcome to the show, man me man thanks i appreciate it thanks for having me um, yeah likewise it's good to have you good to have you on and and talk shop i know you're a busy dude yeah man i appreciate you very much i would i'll give you all the time you could ever want for me man you've been here for a long time and been uh, a part of the beginning of fat nugs and uh, oh here comes the here comes the six hour podcast episode right <laughs> <laughs> sorry everyone you're screwed uh, no, but seriously, man, I, I'm I'm happy to participate anytime I can with anything that you're doing. You really have been here since the beginning of, of Fat Nugs Magazine, which has been about a year now. So, um, yeah, I, man, I, Fat we, Nugs we is gone. You wholeheartedly, brother. So, thank you. No, much appreciated. Yeah, uh, similar respect on this side of the fence. I think it's it's crazy to see that Fat Nugs has evolved so fast with so many contributors. Um, you know, people going to the website, responding to the the daily blogs, you know, Instagram and LinkedIn, you've definitely made a, made a presence and, and found a niche in the industry or a voice that perhaps was missing. Could you give our listeners a little bit of a, a little bit of an elevator pitch on what Fat Nugs is all about before we dive into things further? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you, you nailed it there with a, a little bit of the growth stuff and, and we can talk about that because it's been, sort of a skyrocketing thing over here that I never really thought would would happen. But basically how I describe the magazine or the publication or really what we've turned into is a is a media company and I can go into some of that here in a little bit as well. Uh it's a true global perspective of cannabis and stoner culture as a bridge to the rest of the world and that's how I describe it. And basically what that means is because of where and how and who I grew up with, um, having the plant in my life since uh, mid-70s and uh, being on the traditional or legacy side of things ever since that, that moment, um, you know, it's that, that's kind of where the magazine comes from. So we focus on the community, the culture side of things, a little bit of businessy stuff, but very much educational, scientific, with a very, very personal spin to everything so that we can connect with, and that's where I come up with that bridge to the rest of the world, right? So we want to be able to talk to people like you and I within the industry, understand the plant, love the plant, respect the plant but also to people that may not be a part of the culture or the community or really understand what cannabis is about. And we do that by, yes, scientific, educational, businessy stuff sometimes, sure. 
but always making sure that those stories have a personal touch to them. Because if you don't really connect with the reader that's outside of the industry as well as inside, you're not doing the plant justice. You're not doing the industry any justice. And here's a perfect example. So in the 420 edition that we just released, uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, there is a review in there of a product from, I believe it's called Lavinia. It's an Ohi, it's called Ohi, and it's a lube. And I had a 73-year-old, you know, baby boomer reach out to me after reading that review and tell me that she's going to buy the lube. (laughs) (laughs) I almost shit my pants and I was like, okay, thanks for telling me that. That's I mean, but in 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 all actuality. It's exactly what we want out of the magazine, right? Yeah. So it's about really like celebrating and acknowledging the legacy culture and the can- like the legit cannabis community that's existed for many years and kind of forges onward while the industry grows, but also trying to make that accessible huh? and not really gatekeeping that, that realm to only the legacy OGs or only yeah. the guys selling dime bags, yeah. but, you know, op- kicking open the door, right? Yeah, it's really about exactly what you said, celebrating it, but doing it in a way that is extremely positive and uplifting, supportive and helpful of the culture, the community and the industry, the people that are within it. When you do it that way, that's how you connect and you can share the true culture and community side in its rawest form, which is what we want with people outside of the industry when you present it to them in a positive light and you present it to them in a way that is fun to look at and easy to understand. And really, um, again, with that personal touch, connects with that reader. So, And that's what we do. I think that's what we do best. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we aren't your traditional paid media. We don't do pay-to-play shit around here. Right, we you can bring about, that authenticity, huh? Exactly. When you're authentic about the plant and with the plant and supportive of everything that's kind of surrounding it and and really respect the 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 culture that has been here. You know, the culture is all about respect and when you kind of when you give the plant its due respect, you're able to teach people about it in the right ways, you're able to really uplift everything about the plant in its in it, in the in the best way possible you bring people in right that's how we win that's how we win people over so it's it's the best way to do it as far as i know not being that that pay to play it allows us to really and don't get me wrong we do advertising you know publications and, and media companies that's that's the lifeblood right we do got to keep the lights on absolutely <laughs> but we don't do pay to play. What we do is we ask our writers, seriously, we ask our writers to write about the things that they love and that they're passionate about. I would never say, hey, this person just gave us 10 G's. We need to get them on the front cover and get an advertorial in there. I'm not going to inside the magazine. I'm not going to do that. I would never allow a Cura Leaf or a True Leaf or a Cresco or, you know, any of those to, to come in here and say, here's 20 G's. Let's get Boris on the, the, the front, you know, the front cover and let's get an advertorial inside here. It, it's just not going to happen. So what that allows us to do is to have those authentic conversations around the plant and really be as inviting as we, you know, possibly can to both people like you and I, again, inside the industry and the community and culture and to those that happen to be curious. 
yeah, I think that's a dude. It's a a noble thing to to try and accomplish there to open up that culture and and make it available. And the benefits are, you know, twofold or more than that because there's a benefit to the culture and to the people's lives. But I mean, the industry overall is having trouble. I think reaching folks that that aren't from cannabis. It's easier to convert, you know, someone who's already taken dabs to an infused pre-roll or to a like another form of the product. But to pull in that that new consumer and, you know, just start them with an infused pre-roll is not always right. And so I think that giving consumers an ability to dip their toes through these articles, through different perspectives on travel, products, um, experiences. I think you've had some good articles on like motherhood, on traveling. It's just oh, yeah. a, uh, a, there's all kinds of jumping off points where you could start to have that same conversation, but maybe in a way that the consumer is really really looking for there. Did you notice a gap first when you were getting things started? I think when I messaged you Fat Nugs initially was only a like a, a weekly or bi-weekly image that you were building the covers for. So how did the how did the cover project get started and then like really what was the catalyst to turn that into the the Fat Nugs that we know today? That's a, a great question and you're right. So when I first started this thing, it was me sitting on my couch being stoned and wanting to do something as a creative release. So I've always been a relatively creative person. Um, I've written and released uh, three albums on my own. I've, I've been in bands since 1997 or 98. I do some painting, blah, blah, blah. So there's always something there that I'm trying to do creatively. And so when I was sitting on my couch and I uh, was figuring out a way to address or talk to my ever-growing network and connections within the industry, especially through LinkedIn, I wanted to do something that would be um, different. And in creating Fat Nugs, and, and where, does, where does that name come from? Like it comes from our, our stoner vernacular, right? That's a fat blunt. That's a fat joint. That's a fat sack. Those are fat nugs. And, and it you know, it was kind of perfect. So started to create it, as you said, um, as just a, a post. And the first one I released uh, was on a Friday. I called it Fat Nugs Friday from, for some odd reason. And that stuck. And Alliteration when I, is always a place to start. It, right? <laughs> it, it helps. It's easy to connect, you know, people to something. And, it, and they remember it. Fat Nugs Friday. It's, it's really easy to say. So... I, I posted the first one. It happened to be on a Friday. And the response that I got, and, and I think the, the very first one was uh, a giraffe and a little bird hitting a bong together. And it was a very tall bong that the giraffe was hitting and the bird was lighting it for him. You know, he's flying around the little, the little bowl. Um, and the response I got was massive. It, it totally blew me away. I had no idea that anybody would really give a shit. I, I didn't think anybody else would think it was as kind of fun as, and as cool as I did. Um, but I was completely wrong. And the response was huge. And so basically what happened is I, I was like, well, that was kind of fun. It was a way for me to talk to a lot of people at once about multiple things that I kind of had on my mind. Um, and that's what this is. It was... You, you, a post on a Friday, you post a cover with, and on LinkedIn, where I was building this, it's a lot of black and white. You have a lot of text, right? So if you do something that's visually, um, you know, 
you connect with your 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 reader or whatever visually. It's kind of visually stunning for a second. Kind of stop you, that scroll, that mindless scroll, scroll just for a second. <laughs> exactly. You stop the scroll for a second. So you have them for three or five seconds. And if they glance at the um, article titles that were on the front cover, it would then give me a few more seconds for them to think about what was in front of them. That would give them a few seconds to maybe comment. And so it kind of snowballed and I would have multiple conversations about the stuff that was on the cover of these things. And then since I thought it was fun, I was like, I'm just going to continue to do this. So every Friday after that, I called it Fat Nugs Friday again, post a new cover, have those conversations, and it snowballed. By the third one, just the third one that I posted, dude, I had two cannabis media companies come to me and say, we're interested in bringing this in-house. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Bring, bringing what in-house? What in-house? <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely something I've just made up while I'm sitting on my couch having fun. But it was a That's way awesome. for me to connect with people, right? And it was... Yeah, conversation starters. A conversation starter, 100%. But it was me being... Um, my sort of stoner, authentic self, right? Just me sitting on the couch being stoned after ripping the bong a couple of times, enjoying my medicine. And next thing you know, I'm creating something. Yeah, and, and, and that's how it happened. And, it, and within the conversations with those media companies, and as I continued to create, I figured out that there was an enormous gap that we could fill with this because there are some... Uh, publications that exist within the industry that are very corporate cannabis heavy. Um, yes, sir. They will see a lot of the legacy washed out of that publication or washed out of those articles where it's all cannabis. And I know there's connotations with marijuana that we're moving away from, but it's still not only cannabis, like in the scene. And when you're talking with folks, but it, I mean, from an industry perspective, right, even in the intro to this podcast, I'm saying like, hey, the cannabis industry. Versus yeah. being like, hey, we're going to talk about weed, man. Yeah. But uh, but they're one uh, and the same. Yeah, right? they're the same. And you need to be able to appreciate both rather than wash one off completely. A hundred percent. Early on in my software career, I had a potential role at MedMen um, to help them implement software internally. And I saw their branding approach. And I'm not a branding expert like some of the guys we've had on here. But man, it made me uncomfortable to see like Bliss sold you know, uh, happiness and just like whitewashing everything off the, sure. the cannabis culture. It's not even flower anymore. It's yeah. not different cultivars. The strain names are gone. It, there was a little, uh, like a it's rough weird. fit. Yeah. And I kind of to, but to your point, you know, being approachable from everyone in the industry, I can see why some of those brands are required, Absolutely. but there's ways to be more inclusive too. I mean, I, everyone needs their, their niche. Well, look, I, I think the, the Walmarts of the world are going to exist. The Cure Leafs of the world are going to exist. The True right. Leaves of the world are going to exist. The bliss, the happiness, that kind of stuff is going <laughs> yeah. to exist and it's fine. But here's the caveat to that. I think these companies need to understand that there is a culture there behind the plant. It's not just a CPG. And if you treat it as such, you're only going to... Um, First of all, you're going to piss off a lot of people, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're kind of stepping on their flowers, you know, slipping you, on their flower bed, literally. <laughs> you're a little bit, uh, it's being a little bit disrespectful. As long, look, I know that it is a CPG, but there is much more to it than just that. And, and it's, 
we want the people that are involved in the industry to understand where the industry came from, why it exists, how it exists, and to treat it with respect. Now, yeah, that doesn't a CPG mean that that's a CPG could be mean like different things, right? Like a pen CPG versus exactly. a cigar or a fine wine. Those are very different industries, very different very. kind of thoughts around them. I'm very. sorry I cut you off there. No, you're fine. But and, and those things are going to exist. And like I said, there's going to be the Walmarts of the world. That's that's not a problem. And I think there is a place for that. Whether or not I go there and buy my my, my product <laughs> yeah. is another question. Uh, yeah, but we wouldn't want to say close the doors to these giant MSOs because there is something about accessibility or, you know, like just people in my family, you know, like a random aunt or uncle yeah. who is totally not in the industry on any level, but would want to feel comfortable or, you know, just buy like buy bliss. They don't They don't want to be confused by Bubba Kush and, yeah. and yeah. OG and, and what is this limonene terpene? It's just yeah, a lot. Of, it's a that? lot to know. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. Um, and I think it's a it's, fine line then we're, we're kind of stuck walking on the, on the is. line. It is. And I, I just think we want the, the, the understanding from within the industry and the culture and the community. We want the understanding that these companies that are sort of washing away what cannabis has always meant, that they, that they do understand the respect side of what they are producing, selling, consuming, all of that stuff. Education is important. Having people understand what they are consuming is important. And bliss doesn't necessarily do that. You hope right. the employees there are able to help, right, with some of that education. But I think as long as there is, again, a, a good respect, a healthy respect for the plant itself, what it can do, the culture behind it, I don't really give a shit what you call your product. I really don't. I don't care if you call it weed, marijuana, cannabis, pot, grass, ganja, or anything else. Just do me a favor and be respectful of it. It's That's really all it, that calls for here. It's Let's understand that there is a history behind the plant. Um, we should be supporting good things when, it's, when we talk about and we're connected to the plant. We should, you know, want equality, equity, all of those things. So there are things other than just a normal, I guess, quote unquote, CPG. We just yeah. want to respect with it as well. Sell totally. your bliss, sell your happiness. That's totally fine. But, <laughs> but let's, um, let's, let's make sure. And look, you're right. Isn't it is important. Say, you know, a 72 year old woman might feel much more comfortable walking into an Apple like showroom than she does uh, a, a normal dispensary, I guess, so to speak, or a dispensary that you and I would probably, you know, really enjoy. I've seen some hole in the walls that basically cinder block walls, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they were, they're barely a retail establishment, but they're churning out some good product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and I can tell you, uh, you know, side by side, and I think we all know this side by side, if you got the Apple product store next to it, that's selling weed versus the, the cinder block store. I think we all know where, you know, your, I guess your average mainstream customer is going to be much more likely to go to. So, yeah. And, um, just recently I was down in Miami beach for Benzinga and I had a lot of interesting conversations with 
folks that were like kind of in different areas of the cannabis industry, like really not working on the ground, either working as investors or owners and kind of coming from a leadership perspective. So no dirts, no, no hands in the dirt. Not so much. And it was, it was very much kind of a doom and gloom kind of conversation part of the weekend, you know, about how the like prices are being compressed and, you know, margins are down, you know, what can we do about the product? And, you know, talking about cannabis really, as a CPG. Sure. And I noticed that I, I would mention connoisseurship and kind of like customer education every once in a while in some of the conversations. The perspective was a little bit, you know, that's just not viable right now because that's not what the masses want. That's not what, that's no. not really what everybody wants. That's bullshit. And I, that's I, where it's kind of difficult to show the value or, <laughs> or even to, to show progress. Cause I do agree with them one point that was made was that really the bud tenders can't do all of this education. Like bud tenders are wonderful folks. And I think even on a past episode with Nigel, we were like, hey, bud tenders, we totally respect you. You make the industry go around, but we can't give you this responsibility of also educating the 72 year old lady on the entire cannabis Fuck no. culture. Fuck <laughs> no, no, that's not their job. I mean, their job is to really be able to guide the customer into what the customer wants at that point in time not necessarily give them a history lesson or anything like that right yeah, or so where, it's more or, about go ahead go ahead no it's, it's, so it is more about making the customer want to know that or find it on their own and then realizing maybe that they don't like if they're just not interested i think that's what makes cannabis fall into a cpg sometimes where sure. it's like i mean they're just if they just well, only care about getting high and having some effects on a Friday night and getting a little like, you know, sedated, they may never go beyond that. Sure. That platform. Right. Well, I think, um, that's kind of, um, I think that's kind of bullshit. And let me tell you why. So yeah. I know people I'm in the South, right? I'm in Atlanta. So I'm in Georgia and I'm around a, a lot of, uh, let's just say different people and a lot of people that don't think like me. I'm a very free thinking, progressive person. Let's just say that. Hey, I grew up in Kansas. I've been, uh, I've been in those, those dichotomies before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can tell you right now that when I have helped people get medicine even though these people have no idea or don't really give a shit about the history or the culture behind weed or cannabis or marijuana or pot or ganja, whatever you want to fucking call it, what they do care about is good product. Quality is king. And your connoisseurship matters, right? People, it's just like good wine. Do I, do I want to drink, um, you know, an Austin Hope? that's going to cost me $60 a bottle or do I want to drink some, you know, some, some BS, you know, Behringer from, from the gas station, right? It's yeah, going to the box. <laughs> exactly. And when you give people the choice and they know that there's a choice and they know that there's a difference, they will always choose quality and what affects them the best. So here's the bullshit portion of what we've already been discussing here. So your Benzinga conversations, what that tells me is that they're choosing to think that way. They're not looking at the reality of the situation because when you, when you educate the customer as they're buying it, this is why you want this probably or possibly over this. And that's the kind of education that we need 
first of all, because you want this because it, it should affect you this way. This is the, the, uh, the cannabinoid and terpene profile. This is what it should do to you, right? And, and those are the types of educational conversations that we should be having. But when you have corporate cannabis conversations like at Benzinga, it's all about money. It's not about education. It's not about taking the extra minute step to make sure that what you are growing, what you are producing, what you are selling is not one boof. And two, it is um, good for the customer through an educational lens. Cannabis is medicine first. It is a fun thing. It's awesome. Love to get stoned, but it's actually for a reason. It exists on the planet for a reason. And when we consume it as humans, we are consuming it, you know, it, it, traditionally as a medicinal thing. That's how it was 10,000 years ago in Asian right. cultures, right? <laughs> so yeah, medicinal or spiritual, or there's exactly. a reason why folks find solace in the plant. It's not just like fun. I'm not I mean, here. It is just fun. To, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fun. I love to get fucking baked. Are you kidding me? It's the, the greatest part of my day. I'm not going to lie. Right. But, but I also that's not consume the core. it. Exactly. I consume it because I know my ECS needs it. I'm trying to find my best homeostasis as possible through minor cannabinoids and THC focused product, right? A full spectrum of, of cannabis is what we need anyway. Yeah. So I think that one back, of the. Oh, go ahead. It, just getting back to your your the conversations you were having, that's you know I have never been to Benzinga. It's one of those that I have never wanted to go to, um, and it's the exact reason that you just said is because yeah. I can talk business about anything in the world. I want to talk weed with weed about weed and with weed people. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, I did I enjoy bringing some of that legacy vibe to the conversation. Kind of I'm shutting sure you down, did, dude. shutting down some some <laughs> angles every once in a while, or just Hell being yeah. like, okay, yeah, uh, uh, this is a good perspective. Like, I think I learned a lot from going to Benzinga from the like a more of a business leadership perspective, not necessarily about cannabis. They had some really wonderful sessions and speakers, but it was. It's more really seeing like how do you get investment? How can you sure. start to entertain like seed money if you have plans for an application or sure. licenses and things like that? So from a like an industry education perspective, it was great. But sure. yeah, from the from like the the conversation and like the social vibes, uh, I would say Benzinga is like on the far opposite end of like BizCon, where sure. it's a lot more like OGs, people coming to celebrate and just. Um, I, when I was going around to conferences with a few point of sale companies the last few years, I would always tell people you could judge the conference by the size of the smoke circle outside. There you go. And really, if there's not one, <laughs> you know, you're in for a real business kind of day. You're going to yeah. be talking about, yeah. you're going to be talking about 280E and tax code 471 and oh boy. All, all good stuff, but it's yeah. a different, different vibe. <laughs> yeah, definitely not not necessarily my vibe. No, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm here to talk business when business needs to be talked about. Oh, but, for sure. You know, yeah. cannabis for me has always been one because it's I have a family connection with a military family background and, and medical background. Um, it's always medicine and fun first, um, businessy shit second. And it again, <laughs> I don't mind the business side of of whatever we're talking about and cannabis as well. Um but is it necessarily something, unless I was looking for investors or partners, 
Um, or yeah, it's the it's that, like the team building kind of conference. Yeah. Um, well, I, I need some team building for sure. I can do some <laughs> team building. Um, but again, it's it's just not one of those that I have yet seen a need for Fat Nugs magazine for myself personally to be there. Now, having a writer there always. I want to send a writer to every expo, every show that I can, because I think covering um, the industry you know, actually helps our culture and our community side of things. And we want to mix and well, this is a big fucking salad, man. We should be mixing yeah. up this salad yeah. as much as possible and including and being as inclusive everywhere on both sides of this. And when I say both sides, I'm talking the legacy side and, and the the industry side or the businessy side or whatever. It honestly, it's all just the same shit. It's just some of us have different perspectives of what's important, what is not. Um, yeah, and, and playing really, the same game with different values. Exactly. That's a, <laughs> uh, and morals and all that good stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's a, a is, that's definitely the kind of ongoing gap that's, that's trying to be solved by, you know, folks like Fat Nugs, Apartment 113, like different businesses are trying to connect that or at yep. least find the part of the community that's willing to take the jump. And I mean, I really, a very strong believer that connoisseurship is an answer to price compression. Cannabis connoisseurship is an answer to increased market revenue, 100%. increased increased uh, footprints across their locales because the connoisseur is more willing to explore the menu. Yeah. The connoisseur is coming back every week. Yeah. You know, the, uh, you know, the, your regular buyer, maybe they come and buy like 10 pre-rolls and go do their thing and they come back in a few months. But a, a connoisseur who is consuming on a semi-regular basis you know, they're getting two grams of concentrate every Tuesday yeah. or, you know, an ounce of flour every they're two They're driving weeks. the industry. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. the ones driving the buckets, right? Those bags, those purchases, those are the, those are our drivers, you know, along the connoisseurship uh, thing. I, that's where I think the, our Gangiers, and that's why I think you're extremely important in this industry. One of the, the reasons, and I know that there's, um, there's some people out, out there in the industry that don't, like the business side of Gangier. So I want to make sure that before I jump into this, that the the people that are listening understand that when I speak of Gangiers, I speak of the people. I speak of people like you, Rob, um, like Matt Jerome, uh, like Isabella Deschard, all of, we have, you know, people here at Fat Nugs Magazine that are our writers, that are contributors, that are part of our internal team, that are Gangiers, that have nothing to do with the business side of Gangier. So I don't speak right. on the business side. I know nothing about it. I don't even know and I'm neither, I, I'm not connected to the leadership in Gangier at all either. Never have been. I don't think they like me too much. I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, so I think Gangiers are people that should be the buyers for, for businesses. I mean, you want people that understand quality, and I believe uh, that you do. I've been around you long enough or, or spoken to you long enough and, and, and read your work long enough in your reviews, along with Matt, along with Isabella and along with the others. Um, Making I trust, some of those decisions for dispensary or consumption right? lounges. To exactly. Build, build a menu that, that gets the job done instead of a menu that's 2,000 SKUs. That's cheap. Uh, that's based on price. That's based on yeah. price compression and, and what I can get out of somebody and how I can screw over someone else and get the cheapest of everything and blah, blah, blah. You know, right. it's you know, getting over that piece. I think people like you um, that have a keen eye for quality 
can do that, can help this industry. But again, we're just like you said, you're at, you're in Benzinga and you're talking to people that are doom and gloom and that are price, price, price. And everything is about bottom line. And, you know, look, that's just not cannabis. That's not real cannabis. That is, that is hustle grind. Um, yeah. It's more American on the society. Culture. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what that is. And we're not, that's not what cannabis is. It's, it never really will be. Even as these big, huge, massive tobacco, alcohol and tobacco companies come in, and as the the um, the pharmaceutical companies continue to come in, dude, it's still not going to be the traditional way. We just you're going to have people that are not going to support it, and we're going to grow ourselves like we always have. So there's got to be some give and take somewhere, and I'm hoping that these big companies that come in do understand that quality and counter connoisseurship and the you know, the, the community aspect, the culture aspect are important. They're going to play a role. They will continue to play a role. And anyone that comes in this space that doesn't acknowledge that and have people like you or, um, you know, anyone else that has been a part of this, uh, this, this community and this culture for a long time and around this plant, if they don't hire people like you, they're going to lose. Yeah, it's, it's hard to then build that authenticity it's coming from, it's coming all from perspectives of margins and prices. And yep. it's, it's very difficult to say that you can't be concerned about margin and price because you're trying to run a business. You're paying taxes. You got to pay employees. Dude, when so you're, it's like this when weird, your, look, you have to live in both worlds, right? When you you're paying your CEO, both. when you're paying your CEO and your C-suite team millions of dollars, fuck yeah, you're worried about pricing everywhere. But if yeah. everyone was actually getting par- paid a fair wage, let's let's be honest with you when it comes to cannabis, we wouldn't be having nearly as many problems as we do. And if we had these companies not trying to cut corners, not trying to screw employees, not trying to grow beyond their britches and, and not do things they don't understand how to do, they wouldn't be losing money from their investors. We wouldn't be seeing all this price compression. These, All of this stuff is the fault of corporate cannabis. We all know this, period. Yeah, it's like that human issue, the tragedy of the commons, right? It's an open pond. You can fish as much as you want. But don't overfish because then no one else will be able to have any. Hello. So then, you know, game theory that and you're like, well, should I fish just enough or should I overfish? Like, well, shit, if I don't overfish, then Dustin might. So now I need to. And then before that, the whole that scarcity whole mindset, off. that yeah. scarcity <laughs> mindset screws you. And, and really, this world is all about abundance. And as long as we don't have people hoarding shit and controlling shit, the wrong people, um, yeah, we don't have I've, problems. I've you know? seen some acquisitions go south so, so oh, bad in the industry, man. Like on the software front, I've seen million, like 17, $30 million software purchased by leaders that never bothered to understand it and have since sold it. And it's just like, wow, that was a literally a $27 million mistake or something. It's just not a, uh, it, it's not something a sane person would do unless you're blinded by the, the money. Blind, you got green vision. That's exactly uh, so that what it is for folks out there that own businesses grow slowly and make sure you have metrics and data there to back that. And when you do acquire, give the company being acquired time to prove to you why they were worth buying. Cause I've also seen companies acquire and then immediately top down and force all their changes in their way. But it's Always. like, Hey, Hey man, 
we were good enough that you bought us, so maybe there's something to learn here. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's across the board. I think that people are learning those lessons and starting to move a little slower. And some of that is the the doom and gloom that's kind of surrounding the industry. But honestly, dude, it's in times like this when I think it's it's the best opportunity to push forward and keep building something new. Yep, I completely agree, and um, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, what's next and, for Fat Nugs this year? What's uh, uh, what's coming up, man? You just keep jumping mediums. When is the when is the movie coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be, you know what? That's funny you say that. Um, I can't go into any details, but uh, I'm not kidding. You'll, we will all see this magazine on uh, on a screen near you before the end of this year, I believe. Um, because I have connections in the film industry. I was in the film industry for three and a half, four years. My my best friend happens to be one of the greatest filmmakers in the world. Um. He, he pulled me into the industry for those three and a half, four years and, and, and allowed me to live again, thank God. But uh, I went on set here last week. It was, was it Thursday or Friday of last week? Uh, you know, Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta, by the way. And uh, Atlanta is a huge mecca for the film industry. And I went down to set and met, you know, set deck and, and met the, basically just met the crew uh, and they are using it on set and, um, sweet gave, gave them the new, and, and it's, it's funny because they're they're after each take or after, uh, yeah, after each take, they'll, they'll, they'll take them up off the table and, you know, put them in a safe spot. Like these are the ones, these are, for it's the their scene. prop books. Yeah. Yeah. Into props <laughs> and all that stuff. So, um, it was cool to see and to have, uh, you know, kind of the knowledge that that's going on. I thought that was kind of mind blowing. I never thought that that, you know, could be the case. And it's, you know, it's, there's something to be said for that because this is a time piece that is, this is going to be in, which tells you that the magazine um, is sort of timeless already. Uh, Finding a home, man. Yeah. When you're, when you're looking at the covers that it, you don't really know from what era month year that they could be from they're sort of evergreen when you look at them as well i mean even though this says the newest one says 420 on it uh, that's everything to a stoner right 420 yeah. means weed period so it doesn't necessarily mean april at all so you know the, the way that we're doing he things here is kind of different but what's coming up uh, besides being hopefully on the screen here before the end of the year um, we just released the, the April edition, which was uh, badass and by far the best thing we've released to date, I believe. Definitely um, looking crispy. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I don't know if I haven't sent you one, I need to make sure I do that. Um, so we have the June edition coming up. It's focused on travel, hospitality. Uh, it'll have, uh, it's also pride month. So uh, obviously some, you know, the, the industry itself owes a lot to, um, the LGBTQ plus community. And I think it's important to make sure that we, um, you know, acknowledge that. And then right. since we do every other month, we'll have August and August is I'm keeping it sort of quiet because it's going to be something very different, I guess. Again, we come up with these very different things because we've only been around for a year, right? So everything we do is very different. 
from from one edition to the next, everything is completely different. Um, and That's it gives a good us way to do it though. You can kind of gauge those different approaches and, and keep it fresh, even from your side, man. As a creator, I know that. Oh man! Once you start a creative thing, it becomes a treadmill that sometimes you wonder why you turned it on <laughs> as you just continue forward. Yeah, no doubt. And and I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm lucky that we don't run into that because everything we do, even from newsletter to newsletter, which comes out every other week, they're completely different. Our, every edition is completely different. Yeah, dude, stuff- I've been enjoying writing those comic strips for sure in the newsletter. Dude. It was, it's, been, it's been really fun. They're all like image prompts that Rebecca Jinks has created, the art director yeah. for Fat Nugs. So that... I'm looking at basically a blank canvas and trying to put some words against it. Uh, some have been harder than others, but a few times I made myself chuckle. I was proud. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. They've been great. And I think she just did the one that's coming out. We have a newsletter coming out this Friday. Oh, I think nice. She, I think she did the one that's coming out. It's good. but Yeah, that, it's been a fun project. Yeah, dude. And I appreciate you being on that. They're, they're super cool, to be honest with you. I post them individually on, on social media as well. I love them. Anything that's funny or satire or different that can be a part of this publication, I'm all for it because I don't know if you're aware of this, but the the magazine itself comes from three publications from my childhood as well. Um, the first one, I was a skater punk. So Thrasher magazine was everything, right? Dude, one wall it, in my bedroom growing up was like all Thrasher like ads and <laughs> pullouts and stuff. Dude. <laughs> There was nothing like opening up uh, a Thrasher magazine and, and seeing like a McTwist, a dude, you know, in your face on a double page layout. And you're like, God, I wish I could be that dude. Right. I wish I could <laughs> do that. Even though I was a skater, there was no way in hell I could do that. Oh, bro. I was a skater in quotes, but I like, kind of maxed out at kickflip. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, was about it. Maxed out at kickflip and a, and a two stare. There and you go. Ev- everything else was just like glorified falls. Oh, everything was a fall. Wiping dude. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That sounds like my uh, my stint with snowboarding, to be honest with you. I think my dude. last my last skateboarding attempt was really, we were at the park, and I tried to do like a 50-50 grind up a, like a little taco. Oh, shit. You know, and hit it on the front trucks and just like lost the board behind me. Hit both shins, just land on the bar. <laughs> I had to basically crawl off the cement. Uh, so. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, boy, those those the shins, man. That's always the worst thing when you're falling. It's like I had sure. the passion, but d- definitely not the the physique and skill. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. The smaller you are when you're a skater, the better. Uh, yeah, I've taken to a the big man's sport with long with a longboard, so I can there, just kind of weave and coast. There Don't need you to... go. <laughs> Hell yeah, a little more safe. Um, me being, you know, basically six two and to over 200 pounds skateboarding these days is not really my thing so you got to get quite a pop there (laughs) yeah i do still have my board though and i do still ride it through my building believe it or not oh nice Um, i have a caballero i have a this is how old it is it has bonite do you remember bonite i don't think so no so there's a, a a black um it's it's like particle something that they pressed in between all the skateboards back in the 80s um, ah. called, called I think eight late eighties, I believe it was. Um, it's called Bonite. And it they said that it was gonna make the board stronger, but it actually made it weaker. And then a couple of years later they did away with it. So oh. I still have that original fucking board, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Really cool. Coming from and the era. 
it's 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 pretty rad. It's <laughs> still in pretty decent shape, dude. Believe it or not. Nice. Um, so anyway, the three publications: Thrasher Magazine. Yeah. That's the first. Um, the second one, I could always remember walking through a grocery store with my mom and seeing Mad Magazine, and that goofy looking, big eared, red hair, freckle look, you know, guy, and it yeah, was always man. so visually like stimulating and and different. And they had Spy vs. Spy. They had, you know, the 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 full. You could fold pages together, and, and it would yeah, make it. Yeah, we new... gotta work on getting some folds in Fat Nugs. That's Dude. very hard to build, but that's like the the penultimate uh, absolutely. edition. <laughs> absolutely, um, the what I uh, really want to have, and the mostly women team, women driven team that we have here uh, had mentioned was a centerfold. So I was like, yeah, I, I can't wait to be able to do that. It's going to, we need, we need a little more, um, let's just see. We need a little more cash flow to do a few things around here, uh, <laughs> right, but we're, right. we're hey, getting there, man. One foot in front of the other, man. It's good. Yeah, continuous dude. progress. So we got Thrasher, Mad Magazine, oh, yeah. and what else and goes in one, the funnel? The, the, the third one is the late eighties, early nineties, high times, right? Yes. If, if yeah. you could get your hands on the late eighties, early high times, early nineties, high times, you were fucking cool back in the day as a kid, as a teenager, you know, that was kind of the thing. Right. Um, kind of that origin. And, um, yeah. many of us have our, our cannabis culture started in, in high times. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, dude. And it, it pains me to see the way things have sort of happened over there at times with some stuff. And I don't yeah, know it's enough. Different now. I, yeah. I make sure that I, I, I don't really know enough about what's going on. I just see headlines of people suing people and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know what's going on over there, but that's not the high times I used to know. So again, right. that's kind I'm of not where, too much in the loop either, but I know it's gotten yeah. corporate. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. So uh, those three publications I can tell are what really made an impact on me as a kid and where this, publication has kind of grown from right the influence that's kind of um, motivating some of this or some of the passion i think yeah that's it yeah. that's good to hear man and i can see the connections in some of the covers and and in the style as well yeah definitely carving a unique path of its own but bringing in those influences is great yep absolutely well i mean we all are um a product of our our environment right so you yeah gotta pull, you got to pull your inspirations and shit from somewhere and i know this thing didn't come from from nowhere so right aquariums could do with a consumption lounge that'd be oh, that'd be a good combination that would you guys, be an amazing combination <laughs> dude you know have a smoke walk around with the fish look at some that penguins. would be an amazing combination <laughs> hell yeah absolutely hey you guys heard it here first from 113 <laughs> aquarium yeah aquarium consumption lounge hell yeah <laughs> i love it well, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I um, just want to tell you again, I appreciate being a contributor to Fat Nugs, and I'm behind you all the way here, and let's see you know, how far it can really go. Um, in the meantime, where can listeners find out more about you and the magazine? Yeah, man, and, and as always, thank you for being here with us. You've made us better having you here, and, and your voice has definitely made us a publication that I think is um, has a much better standing than just with someone like me. So, um, you know, definitely having you here is, has been a privilege for us. So thank you. 
Um, and thanks for having me on as well. They, you can find me and Fat Nugs on Instagram, um, Fat underscore Nugs underscore Mag on Instagram, and then of course LinkedIn, Fat Nugs Magazine, and uh, Dustin Hawksworth on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, anytime anybody has anything, I'm usually pretty open. I try to respond as much as I can, as quickly as I can, even when I'm buried. So um, yeah, reach out anytime for sure. Definitely, guys. And look for uh, some giveaways coming here soon in the next few weeks. I've got a little bit of a backlog of Fat Nugs magazines that I'm going to be throwing into some listener giveaways. So uh, tune in to try to win an edition or go to the website and order a copy. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, man. I love that, dude. And and, oh, and by the way, fatnugsmag.com. I forgot to say that as well. Hello. That's That's where we live, dude. That's our main stage. Exactly. So definitely appreciate it, dude. Hey, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show and our range of services, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis operations consulting, agile product management, and connoisseurship services. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.